Whatever it is that I've been through, you're still going to be here. Everybody's so afraid of being alone. But the journey in life's going to be alone anyway. You came here that way. You're leaving that way. And until you do it yourself, the inner work, all these outside relationships, experiences, and everything else are only going to reap what it is you're putting out. And if that's fear, every dynamic of everything in your life is fear. Hi, this is Stephanie Fowler. And this is Tony Russo. And you're listening to another episode of So What's Your Story? A podcast in which we talk to authors and writers about their writing, their stories behind the story, the writing process, and any other sort of miscellaneous writing stuff that we want to talk about. Today on the podcast, we have spoken word poet Ashley Cuffey, who has just released her first collection of poetry. Performing under the name Ashes the Rebirth, Ashley is widely known in our Berlin community for hosting open mic nights in local studios, as well as working with young students on gaining self-confidence and identity through poetry and storytelling. Her collection of poetry titled A Piece of Me Brings Peace to Me was released in May. So welcome back to the podcast, Ashley. Thank you for having me again. It's a pleasure. You know, the first time you were on, you just totally blew me away when you did your your spoken word reading. And shortly after that, you and I had some conversations about, you know, putting together a work of your of your poetry. Yeah. And we pulled that together and let that come out. So yeah. I'm glad to have you back to, yeah, to talk yeah. about that. Yeah, it's amazing to be back to talk about it. Yeah, it's yeah. a big accomplishment. Yeah. And so one of the things that I noticed when I was working on A Piece of Me Brings Peace to Me was that there was, and I think the title sort of sort of sets us up that this is personal, deep within the fiber of you that are that's coming out. I mean, it's not like birds and skies and, and fluffy clouds. I mean, you really dig yeah. into some deep stuff with this. Yeah, yeah. Was that scary for you, or were you just ready to be like, "World, this is me"? Uh, no. <laughs> um, right now, I feel like world. You know, this is me. Um, I think it was more of an encouragement to myself um, because my whole stance in the community is to build everyone up but in order for that mission to take place you have to first be built up so it was one of those things that you want that you fear that you want to accomplish but also with a message with it so when i'm thinking of taking my poetry that's typically being spoken and putting in a book that's a fear all by itself because i don't know if people are going to interpret it um the way um that i meant it Sure. Um, and, and truly understand me. So the book is all about understanding who I am. But I'm putting it out as a way to say, this is what transparency looks like. Or if you thought that you knew every piece of who I am, you really don't. Um, and then also in showing transparency to other people, it's like, well, you know, we thought this about her or we have dealt with some of the same things or I can feel the energy in what she's saying. So even though our situations may not be exactly the same, I can feel that you also know what it feels like to be in a bad situation, realize who you are and want better for yourself, which is the main mission of me putting it out. So when you're thinking about those things, it kind of lets the fear go away a little bit. But I think the whole journey was a mix of fear and being anxious and excited, and it's also a transformation. It's it's a level of growth for myself. You're sending out growth, and what you send out, you always harvest it. You get it back. So it was building myself up because the intent was to build someone else up just through transparency. So transparency is always scary. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting because in your reading, and I encourage anyone who's listening to go to our website and check out the reading, uh, you made a couple of cadence choices that I'm like, 
Oh, those wouldn't those that uh, you you repeated the word never twice, and the understatement of the second never caught me off guard. And I'm like, wow, it must be difficult for you to because you don't get to show everyone how it's read, and and so like I didn't hear like the next four lines because I was interpreting that never because in like four different ways i'm like well what if like what if the never means never 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 yeah it was just you know i got kind of i got kind of hooked up in that and that's one of the the advantages i think to written poetry is that if i were reading it myself i could spend a couple minutes saying oh well like kind of Mm -hmm. taking this apart and then when you when you do the 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 live spoken Mm -hmm. word poetry it's just you know live with it uh and so i i know that there must be some excitement that people will be able to get things out of out of the poem that you didn't necessarily put in there on purpose. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's kind of that's almost like a continuation from the last time we right. talked about <laughs> that. The difference between you know being on stage and performing and people taking it how you're giving it, or you know getting caught up in one thing you said and missing a couple lines, as opposed to being able to open a book and you can interpret it however it is that it comes off to you. I think it's like a it's kind of like a dual pleasure. So if you do it live, people can take it. It's almost like how you do it. But if you control it so much, then it's going to lose its value that you set it out to do anyway. Because for you, a certain line could speak leaps and bounds, and the the poem's entirety could mean nothing to you. But whatever piece drawed you in is your piece. That's it. Right. And hopefully that gives you some peace, right? <laughs> so that I think that's the good thing about it all is that everybody can pick it up and, and translate it completely different depending on, you know, what you got it from. And the energy itself is is going to be in transparency, which is, you know, letting fear go to the side and just embracing exactly who you are. If there's changes you want to make, let the changes happen. But be okay first with exactly who you are and the rest will fall in place. So I think the energy of it all, whether it's being spoken or someone reading it, it's still going to, you know, I think it, you know, it just keeps going. Yeah. Yeah, and I know when we were working on it, that was one of the, not hesitations that you had, but you were like, I know how to deliver this poem. When I'm standing up in front of a crowd, when I'm on stage, I know exactly where I want to break the line. I know exactly where I want that emphatic Mm -hmm. pause to make that dramatic moment. And you were like, how am I going to translate that to paper, you know? (laughs) And I think for you, there was a little bit of... um, that control, having to Absolutely. let go and say, okay, I can't be with every single reader. Like, okay, now when on page 13, right. you have to really, mm-hmm. I need a five <laughs> second pause between here and here, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you couldn't sit with them and do that. So for you, I think there was a little bit of like, oh, I got to let my baby take its Absolutely. first walks. And, and, That's kinda, exactly. and it was scary, I think, a little bit. Yeah. Absolutely. It definitely was. It was a transition on, on several levels. And that was one. Because I, I think anybody who has a craft, you want it to come out perfect. Absolutely. And so that, you know, brings in some control. You can't, you're just, you're not going to be able to, to do that. So that was, that was a major transformation for me. Um, because to practice and practice a piece so that you can perform it properly for people to take them, you know, you're taking them on a journey through your eyes, your perspective, and hoping that something that you're saying is going to resonate within them also. So when, when that is being taken away, you feel like, I just had the medicine to heal, and now I can't speak to you? What? My writing has to be powerful enough all by itself, which means I have to trust the gift I've been given now. Mm. Because if I'm the vehicle that's that's doing it on stage, it's like you're doing it. You're the vehicle. You're the cure. No. 
the gifting for the words to come in and whatever rhythm they come into somebody else, as long as it's giving their pieces some peace, then you, you've got to let that go. And letting go is, is part of, of transformation. That was a huge, a huge deal for me. I think it would be for anybody who does something that's more visual or audio, and then you're switching it to a whole nother form, whatever, you know, whatever your craft is switching it up in a different way, any kind of change is going to bring about that kind of fear. But I definitely had to consciously remind myself that it's not so much you per se, right? So you're not the one that's, that's going to be healing the people because you're speaking, which I believe on certain levels you can connect that way, of course, or I wouldn't have signed up to do spoken words, but to, you know, stretch myself to say like, when you read it, what's, you know, trying to read it plainly without any extra with it or, you know, trying different ways to, to, to read it myself to see if when I'm reading it, am I getting anything out of it that's different than, than performing it? Because my mindset is completely different Yes. When, when you're performing it. So I think a part of that, letting that control go was a lot of growth for me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, um, so were these collected for the book or were they your favorites that you had already done? Like, did you say, okay, I'm going to do these for the book or did you choose from some of your favorite performance pieces? Um, no, most of the poems in here are not performance pieces. These are not pieces that I've memorized. Um, so since I've been writing since around, you know, middle school, um, I've got some pieces in here that were written, that were written then. So the way I was thinking about the book, a piece of me brings peace to me has been a, a, a line that has been running through my head for, it's probably been over eight years, but it, I never, when I first thought of it, you know, it was just like a thought runs through your head, your wordsmith. So you're thinking, Oh, that sounds real clever. I can do something right. with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all those clever moments. Yeah. Like, I'm so yeah. proud of myself. <laughs> piece of me, peace, go girl. Yeah. <laughs> Right, right, right. Um, and so it just kind of got stored as like, you know, one of those pieces that sound really nice, or it might be like some quote sometime, or it could be a pick me up sometime. So you just write it in your journal and you tuck it away. But then like it kind of came back up and I was thinking, well, that might be a nice title for a book, but you, ma'am, are a poet. You are not <laughs> a writer, you know? So then you play around with that for a little bit. Fear still, you know, thinking that maybe, no, we won't do that. Um, so the way the poems came about for the book is I was thinking if, if you like, you know, coming here and talking to you and doing the spoken word poetry, and then I was like, "Hey, maybe you could. Why don't you bring that back up and see what you really want to do with it?" And so I started looking back through all of my poetry. You know, you start writing, and you do have favorite pieces, or right. you know, if you're a performer, you have your certain pieces that you have lined up that you want to perform for how you're trying to portray yourself as an, you know, an entertainer. Um, so I was looking back through all my poetry and I was just thinking it'd be nice to do like a poetic autobiography kind of thing, you know? And so that was the idea that was playing in my head, telling people who I am through my poetry. And at first I wanted to do poetry and then like kind of explain the poem so they'd know that piece of my life. But then I thought it was taken away from that freedom, you know, to let other people decide and interpret what it means. So what I pretty much did is I gathered some pieces that I felt like were from my trying times, times where I was trying to, you know, find myself, um, times where I felt like I had, you know, big moments where it was like, oh, epiphany. Yeah. You know, those things, you know, hindsight, how we talk about, you know, now I've grown a bit and I can see it. So let me write about this growth. 
um, all the way to these are the things that I feel like I can do at some point in time or, you know, realizations I will um, come to. So I just took a collection of those pieces and said, yeah, these pieces are the ones that I think I want to put in here. And then after you do those pieces, it's not just like you go sit and memorize it like when you're just performing it. It was like, okay, now you're going to put it in a book. I didn't consider the editing or putting the poems in order. Right. You know, I didn't consider all <laughs> these other backdrop things that were going to have to occur or the control issue or anything. I was just thinking, oh, cool, let's make a book. This title's been here a long time. <laughs> and we've got the poems. Never considering, do you think you might write another one? Are all these sufficient enough to go in the book? You know, then other ideas start swimming in your head and you got to get real concrete and serious about how it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. going to be. Otherwise you chase it around for 10 years. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, it's, um, and I think when, you know, when we were talking, you were like, you know, we were, as we were coming to work on the project, you know, you were like, you know, I'm trying to figure out how I want to how to construct it, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, and and those were some of the conversations I had. I was like, this is yours. Like, this is your introduction to say, Hey world, this is me as a poet. This is me as a a wordsmith. You know, Mm -hmm. this is, this is how I am. And I said, you know, being authentic to you is going to be shown in the book when people pick that up and they see it, you know? And I think, one of the things that really resonates with this collection of poetry, and I think especially for me as a woman, was you know there are certain things that women go through, mm-hmm. and with relationships and heartbreak and lots of other things that you kind of d- detail in the mm-hmm. book that you are so brave in allowing that reader to see these pieces mm-hmm. of you, you know. And there's you know, I mean, you you run a full spectrum in in in, in the collection, but I thought, man, you know, as I was putting it together and I'm, you know, placing the, you know, and I'm yeah. doing the whole layout for the book. And I thought, this is incredible stuff. I mean, you really dig deep. Yeah. You, you go deep and you allow the reader to really see the, like kind of the soft underbelly. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the things about writers, you know, we, we reveal mm-hmm. our kind of soft underbelly to, yeah. to our reader and they could stab us with a knife, you know, yeah. right in there, you know, there's no, Absolutely. there's nothing to protect us yeah. when yeah. we decide to be this open mm-hmm. and this brutally honest in our work. And I thought that was just incredibly brave, but you mentioned earlier about that transparency, helping you connect with people that you're encouraging to do spoken word stuff. Does that, do you feel like this is kind of helping them say like, look, Look at this big step I took. You know, you can certainly stand up on a stage and talk for three seconds, you know, (laughs) for 30 seconds, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it is. I think it's, um, I think it's just another one of those tools or, you know, gifts or crafts that we have that if we're just, someone has to be willing to put it out so that other people can be edified by it. But I think we are around people so much, like, you, you know, around town, like there's certain cars, you know, you're going to see drive down Main Street or there's certain cars that you're going to see, you know, on the road I live on, you know, Flower Street. So there's you get used to people's schedules. My neighbors know that we get up in the same, you know, same time in the morning, you know, th- that we become, you know. You don't, you don't, I guess, pay attention to it as much because you expect it to kind of happen. So I think when you're around people so much, I think that some of the people that are in my day-to-day, there's some people that saw me 
10 years ago. There's some people that have only met me a year ago. You know, people meet you in different parts of your journey. So I'm giving you a collection of the journey as of yet, from past to now, right? So we can only think about what will be. But from the build, we can tell that there's only up to go. We've right. already done the down, you know. Right. So now I'm going to experience what the up is. So I've, I've given you all the backdrop, and, and here I am now. And for some people that have only met me in the past year or two, they think that everything by what you're seeing on the outside is good. Oh, you got to go on a podcast, or you're doing an open mic, or you're not afraid to get on stage, and, and we appreciate your bravery. And I'm thinking they're seeing what looks like is good, but... When the stage is done and I get in my little car, which is nothing but a little Honda, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm riding around town and my car sounds like a, a motorcycle <laughs> because, you know, you, you, you may not. People think that when you're doing something that makes you happy or it appears to them that things are going good for you, that that means all things are great and they must have always been great. My mission is like, hey. I have had a lot of bad things. And just because good things are happening doesn't mean that there's not also things that I struggle and deal with also. So to you, it may it may look one way. But through reading the book, I'm hoping that people can see, wow, more of like, not say she's brave because you want to get a big you know ego going, but like, wow, that kind of bravery, that allowing us to be in her space that way, and she still has things that, that bothers her. You know, she's still a single mother, so you can still relate to me. I still get up and go to work every day. It's not like this is some, you know, New York New York bestseller, and here you go, right. a piece right. of me, and everybody knows who I am, you know? But the mission to get up every day and, and, and my, my intent each day is not to waste any more of the time that I've been given. So if I can read this book and I can see this is – I can literally read this and see, wow – you really transition, Ash. Like, I'm proud of myself by it. Then that means if I can see the transition, other people can. And for some of the people that have, have been in, in my life or in my, you know, space day to day can see that, like, oh, so it's not just what I see because I've only known her a year. You've had a lot of different experiences also. Or for the people that have been along the journey to say, I appreciate it because some of those things I didn't know, or I appreciate it because you come from the same place we come from and you're, you're still moving and you're still doing things. It is just to ignite whatever fire is already inside of you. Not because ashes said so my whole mission is just to say, here are my ashes. If it's ashes, the rebirth, that's not like some catchy name just because you're a poet on stage. If you look at the way that it's spelled, my name is Ashley. Everybody all my life has called me Ash. There's just a nickname, you know? Right, yeah. Right. And so when I was thinking about what my name really would would be on stage, like it had to be something significant, not just, oh, that's a cool name that'll wear out some point in time. So when you're when you're hearing it, you hear ashes. So you literally think ashes. So when when you're thinking ashes, you're thinking of something that's been burned, which means you've encountered some trials, some things in life, which we all do. Those are our pieces. Those are all the pieces. And so if I have left nothing but ashes, to me, it's it's beautiful to say we have beauty for our ashes, but that means I'm exchanging my ashes for beauty. If it's beauty from ashes, then that means I've I've accumulated all this beauty that you're reading by the end of the collection out of these ashes. I won't let them go. They keep me humble even when I'm doing better. They keep me uh rel- they keep me um uh, conscious of the fact that 
I have been burnt, and I have a testimony, a story to tell, experiences in life where I can uplift somebody else because I've overcome it. But when you think of ashes, it's also like a, a humble feel because this fan blowing in the room could blow those ashes right, right they're, away, they're, right? They're so not, there's not a lot of structure. Absolutely. Of so it's it's a symbol of humbleness for me. It's a symbol and 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 relevant to the fact that there was life there. So you know, it's a it's. It means it means something to me more than just a, a name or you know have a pen name or a spoken word name. So when you're hearing it, you're hearing ashes. But of course, the wordsmith in me has spelled it a s h i z, right? So it's ash is whatever your ash is. Right. Ash me when I'm speaking to myself. Ash is I am whatever it is I say I am. I am whole. I am peaceful. I am enough. I'm great. You are too. So right. take your ashes and let's just put them together. And just like when we have sand or ash or anything that's grainy and, and you know, in that, you know, consistency, if it's put together, there's more of that structure, right? That's right. how we get sand right. castles. Right. Well, you're, you, you're not going to just build it off of that one little grain of sand. It's just not going to cut it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So there's relevance to it. But then when you go to the second part of it, there's ashes, the rebirth. So ash is the rebirth. Rebirthing of what? Whatever it is that I choose to be today because ash is. Right. <laughs> so right. today I choose that my rebirth is going to be that I don't have to say I'm, I'm a, a single mom if I'm offended by it. Or I, I don't have to say I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm in the bracket of being, you know, low income. That's not something I have to be ashamed of. I'm already sitting here with these ashes. Ashamed of what? Like, I, right. there, there's nothing. You can just rebuild. There's a rebirthing here. So it's not everything's dwindle away, let me think negative. I wanna I wanna I want people to understand that whatever those pieces that are that are handed to you and all you have left is those are, are those ashes, that's fine. There's there's always gonna be a rebirthing. That's what's so good about the you know, the cyclical cycle, right? right? Yeah. It's right. it's you know, the system of of, of life and, and how it happens. You can you can rebirth and it has to be re because we're we're already here. Whatever it is you wanna create. Take your pieces, take your ashes, create it, make it, be it. You can. Yeah. I mean, there's no other option. Yeah, and I think, you know, when when I hear the ashes, the rebirth, like, you know, you sort of feel like that phoenix, you know, how the, you know, the phoenix is this beautiful thing and then it bursts into flames and it kind of goes into ashes and then, sure enough, you know, here here it comes back. Absolutely. And I think if there's going to be a connection point, I think, you know, for people who maybe have... a a tough history or they've, you know, had traumas or they've had, you know, bumps and knocks and hard things along the way to see someone like you get up on stage, which would terrify me to think that I had to close my eyes and recite a poem on stage. I mean, I would rather go to the dentist, um, you know, but empowering though. Yeah, (laughs) I know it is. And, And to see, you know, to see you be able to do that and then to see, you know, how raw you've been and how transparent it was. I mean, I can only imagine that, you know, that would be a, you know, a link for other people to gain, gain some bravery. And well, then the other, the other part of what you had said earlier that, that I, that I connected with and I think writers generally do is when people say, well, how long did it take you to write that? You know, you want to say, well, first I had to learn how to read. Then I had to learn how to spell, and then I had, you're like, yes. I, how long was I sitting down typing? Yeah, forty five minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's a, it, the forty five minutes is not what it took Absolutely. me to write that. It took it took up to it took my life. 
plus 45 minutes to write that. <laughs> Absolutely. All the, yeah. the, all the parts. And then I had to figure out how to string the words yeah, together yeah, yeah. and then interpret and then interpret the experience. Into, Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, that, that's exactly what I think because I'll, a lot of times people will say, well, you know, you, you, you write this very quickly. And I'm like, well, it's something if you're doing it, you're getting better at it with any lock. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're getting better at it, it just means that you, you're just accumulating experiences that you can – when you have no experiences, you have to work really, really hard to make them sound mm-hmm. meaningful. But when you have the, – the more experiences you have and the more compelling they are, it's, e- it's, it's easier you know, to just – just put the snowman together. Like, yeah, here it goes. Yeah. This is, these are all these are all the building blocks that make this mm-hmm. story. I know that because I've I've been in the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That I think that's like my major thing is making just as clear as you just made that. I think all things that people need to know to 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 self love, be self aware, self identify, make it your foundation. Love your foundation. So if you hate it, you're breeding nothing but what you're what you've created as your core your foundation but i think to make it plain to people i think that's part of what the spoken word generation does i think it's 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 making plain things that maybe if you picked up a newspaper or a certain book that perhaps there's a population of people that would grasp it really quickly and add more verbiage to it that would make it more difficult because your vocabulary just far extends the rest of us but I, I think that what it does is take things that maybe some people wouldn't pay attention to or would not understand or may not be what's trendy for social media at that moment. It gives it time to be breathed so that people can hear it, so that people can pick it up, so that people can understand. And I don't think it's just poetry. There's comedians who, who speak politically for people who don't want to watch the news or don't read the newspaper or don't understand it in other words. Making mm. it plain, like how you just made it plain, I think is what people need to get. It just has to be plain. Some people think it's so difficult to be something so simplistic as happy or joyful, right. yes. you know? And I think it's it's sad to me because if I only know my experience and my hurts, but what I do know is this, there's not a person that is alive who does not have some kind of hurt or some kind of discomfort or, you know, something that makes them feel a, a negative emotion. And if you're out there, then please write a book and get on stage so we all can know how you managed to do it. I don't think there are going to be any takers, Right. We've all experienced something. It's just not going to happen. But if people are made to feel that someone made it out, like when we talk about heroes or we talk about people that inspire or motivate us, you're only going to be speaking of people who made it out of something that resonated with you and they're doing better. You know, that inspires us. So that's that's all I'm doing. It's it just like the back of the book says, a plain girl from Berlin, Maryland, still repping her town, still trying to make sure everybody feels good, everybody comes together. That's it. I I, I heard a, a a news story, like a like a feature news story, uh, where they were talking almost about that very same thing and what they were saying, and I can't recall precisely where I heard it, but they were saying that the problem is that failures don't write books. Like, like this is how I succeeded. What you need, the, the guy who needs to be, write a book is, this is what I tried to do, and I didn't mm-hmm. make it, and this is why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're not going to learn a lot from, yeah. what you learn from success books is, I kept trying till I succeeded. Well, that's not, that's not great information if you're struggling. I'm like, well, I'm struggling, so what, I just keep struggling, and then eventually my life gets better, you know? So to, to, to get a map of mm-hmm. how it was hard yeah. and how you just survived the difficulty 
that's that's better than this is you know seven happy oh, yeah. successful people things i can't remember the name of the book <laughs> yeah. oh yeah there's a seven mm. healthy habits or something there you go. Of successful highly successful people or something right uh, yeah well we're not plugging their book well that's okay <laughs> I, if we were they would have to take their money back because we did a really we bad job terrible yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, but I think like, you know, going on the way, I think that, you know, as writers, we pull on the resources that we have. And I think, you know, for me as a writer, I think I always look back to some of the harder times that I've been through. I look back to some of the, the, I mean, I don't want to say traumatic, but I guess traumatic times. And, and there's like this real there's this ore there that you just mine away and you hammer at. And I think you can, and I think there's something to be said for taking that and just putting it on display. Not Mm -hmm. that I don't mean to say they were putting on display in that sense, but just revealing it, revealing Mm -hmm. ourselves. I mean, I think that does take bravery. And I know you say you don't want a big ego because you know, of the bravery thing, but I think that it does, it does take bravery. It does take courage to say, this is who I am and 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 to also and then the second part of that to allow people to draw their own inspiration mm-hmm. and their own connection you know I mean I certainly know that as as I read that book I certainly was like ah oh, she gets this which I have also been mm-hmm. through and it's like there's this like ah oh, I'm not alone in that absolutely thing, you know because yeah. I think sometimes as writers we feel solitary mm-hmm. in that especially we feel solitary in our craft, but sometimes you also feel solitary in your, in the dark sides of things that you've been through. So I think for people to see a book like this, to know, Oh my gosh, Ashley has been through this. I just read this poem. She's been through this thing. And, but look now she's on stage and she can talk and she's brave and she's courageous. Mm And I think, I think that is one of the reasons why you're such a valuable asset for our community is I think that your bridge, you, you are the bridge between, where people could be and where they are. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel. Well, like I a bridge. Yeah, I, you, <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Like, yeah. I, 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 and, and I was really having a conversation before I came in today with, with my mom about being a, a bridge or some kind of connector of, of some sort. It is, it is really like, I believe in setting intentions every day. Hopefully you're keeping mindful, even though we have a lot going on during the day. But of whatever intention you set that morning, is it is it really manifesting or are you not? So if my intention in, you know, when I wake up this morning is when I smile, I want to brighten someone's day, then that I've just given power through my intention through my smile. If I do that with my words, it's going to happen. If I say I just want my aura to be light so people can feel a certain way when they come around me, we all have that to do. It does not take money to set an intention. You know, it it doesn't take you having a fancy car. It doesn't matter where you are economically, where you live. Everybody can wake up with an intention. So that is free of charge. You you, (laughs) you know, you can just, you know, you can just wake up and you can do that. And so I think that, that, I think that's a big deal. If people would just understand that part. But I think another thing is when we talk about like fear, the transparency, being vulnerable with who we are. And the courage that that takes. I, I do understand that, yes, it takes courage. I, I wouldn't get on here and say, oh, no, you don't even have to be a part of the Brave team to, to do it. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah, that, we're not selling that today. <laughs> we're not selling lies. <laughs> we're, we're just not going to do it. It's too much transparency in the air. Mm-hmm. But I think that what a lot of people don't understand um, is that fear grips us so much 
that we never even inquire of what could possibly be on the other side. It's a wall, and we look up, and all we see is the wall. We look down, there's the wall. Side to side, there's the wall. We, we never look to see if there's another way. We're, we're just side to side, up, down. Oh, no way out. Well, turn around and see something, you know? Spin in a circle and set the intention that the wall won't be there, you right. know, the next time. Is there, like, a, a fine little niche in between that wall that you could kind of get your finger through to pick it away a little bit? We don't look at anything else. That's it. There's no other side to the fear. But I think if more people understood and more people, you know, like myself that, that and, and people that I admire that are brave enough to tell a story and it be real and even be before the people – and I'm, I, I like that it happened this way, that I did the spoken word before the book, because had I just done the book first, I may have been writing a book out of fear myself, because it's to easier not, to hide that way as right. opposed to show my face. Um, so I think if, if people were mindful, if, if we continue to set the intention that people are more mindful, that there is something else on the side of fear, that's why the wall is so big. Because anything worth having, we want to work for it, right? Or you know, have some kind of substance to it. Um, but I think if people knew that there was something else on the other side of fear and on the other side of fear, it's like this liberation that, that even, even I think the greatest wordsmith would have trouble trying to really articulate, um, in a quality fashion, what that freedom and that liberty really feels like. Cause sometimes we hear words or we hear certain quotes and they become so cliched that people don't believe them anymore. We just hear them. Right. And so they don't take any root in us at all. But there's always going to be a fear. But we got to, at some point in time, know that, like, if I start chipping at the wall, the wall's going to fall. But I'm going to have to do something first. Right. So if, if I really want to be tough and ride this thing out called life and I'm going to win the battle, then I'm going to have to start chipping, right? right yeah. I'm going to have to do something about it because on the other side is, like, a huge victory. So even if I buy the book... <laughs> by the book yes right. right i did a lot that was a lot of work and like you said you're living it before we're talking about the actual printed work right but even if nobody bought it and no one wanted it and it wasn't like some best-selling goes down in history as one of the best poetic autobiographies in the world the transformation that i have had through it sharing the bravery the transparency the vulnerability stories in that book that poem about abortion, there's people, my mother called me and said, did you really? My mother did not know. There's pieces in here that, that people that have been in my life from the beginning of my life had no clue. People have all kinds of secrets. And they smile every day at you, and they appear to be happy, and their houses could be bigger than yours. Everybody has a heart. And inside of that, there's a lot of muck that goes on. And if I can be just one little duster, you know, like Beauty and the Beast, (laughs) you know, and just go, you know, cleaning up, you know, just trying to help someone. You can't make anyone. Our journeys are our own. But what I can do is give you my little bit of pieces, my ashes to put with yours to say you are not alone. Because in the alone state, fear can do everything. A lot of times we feel a bit more safe if we have a troop, a whole army. One man don't go to war. Right. It's a whole troop. You have soldiers that get trained. They go out, right? So we we need that. So, like, here you go. Here's my ashes for you. You had it. Everybody has their debates. This is a political debate. These people feel different ways about different things. But if the door is open to say, whoa, I didn't expect you to do that. I never even considered but you still, you're still, I'm still able to give love. 
I still, I, I have two other children. I, I was super young when it happened, but it's, it's something that I still deal with. You have conversations with people that talk about things that you're guilty of. And how strong are you with yourself to sit there and hear them when they don't know that's something you've done and they're telling you how they really feel? Which means if you tell them you're guilty of that too, they're going to feel the same way. Well, would you still be able to stand on your truth? Are you going to cower down and just let it be what it is? Because I also believe if it's unconditional love, it's got to start with me. So if I love me and I'm standing on a solid foundation, which I can only do through my own self-reflection, then when I'm sitting in the midst of other people who think differently, look differently, feel differently, whatever my foundation is going to be fine. And if you're saying that love is being extended, then it needs to be on an unconditional basis. And if it isn't, then I know that you still need a little bit more love yourself so that you can understand the, the magnitude of what that word really means and mm-hmm. what comes along with it. Whatever it is that I've been through, you're still going to be here. Everybody's so afraid of being alone. But the journey in life's going to be alone anyway. You came here that way. You're leaving that way. And until you do it yourself, the inner work, all these outside relationships, experiences, and everything else are only going to reap what it is you're putting out. And if that's fear, every dynamic of everything in your life is fear. If it's hatred, every dynamic in your life is going to be just that. I'm just a girl using words mm-hmm. trying to make sure people understand that, you know, behind that wall, you know, all your pieces, even if you didn't have a whole army and other people, take all of your pieces, take all of your pieces and say, we are a troop and we are mighty. And this moment, my intention is going to be to knock that wall down and you've got to go. And if on that day, all you knock is a couple blocks off, you got a hole you can see on the other side. There's a little bit of hope. That's what I call hope. There we go. <laughs> when I wake up in the morning, do you know what my intention is? What's that? To write limericks. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly a less noble cause yes. than, than, than looking for hope, but you've got your limericks. Right. And so if you want some of my limericks and some of your haikus, how does that happen? Yeah. So if you would like a limerick from Tony and a haiku from me, all you have to do is go to the so what's your story podcast.com website. And there's a contact us button where you just click on that. Give us your name, email address, give us your regular address and pick a word. Tony will put that word into a limerick. I will put it into a haiku. We will put it on a fancy schmancy postcard. Which are in the mail. Which are coming soon, I think, in the next couple of days. I think the plate was supposed to be here yesterday, maybe? Very I don't cool. know. Very, very quick. But we'll put it on a cool cool postcard. We'll put a stamp on it, and we will pay a guy to bring it to your house. All right, Stephanie, now this is the part of the show where you thank the guest. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast and being here with us. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Cool. Okay. Now, can we get you to read the outro? So, What's Your Story was recorded at Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Visit us at SoWhatYourStoryPodcast.com, where you can find past episodes, guest bios, show notes, and all sorts of fun stuff. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, and if you like it, then feel free to give us a good review. Tell your story.